Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Kiasha Zaitz. We're in the middle of a series of discussions about the APEC region. So far, we've talked about China with Ruby Wang, former head of health for the UK government in China at the British Embassy in Beijing and the advisor on health policy for the United Nations Resident Coordinator's Office in China. China, we've seen like do this leapfrogging concept in terms of payments, right? So they move from kind of a cash-based society into online payments straight away and skip credit cards. So I think that kind of model for tech definitely applies to the healthcare setting too. A lot of kind of rural regions are now able to access more care, hypothetically, because even though there aren't localized community centers, for example, in the mountains or where it's hard to access for doctors to reach patients and homes, um, they can log on on via WeChat, the, the Chinese messaging app. There are lots of mini apps of hospitals and services and hypothetically can access a doctor straight away at a click of their fingers. The, the problem with that is most of these online services are still privatized. And so we see that in the data, most of the patients accessing those online services, even though they're tutored to be more accessible for all of the population, most people accessing the services are kind of wealthy middle class living in the urban areas who access private consultations, mostly for convenience. You know, they don't have to queue up at a hospital where there are long lines. So I think there's this still discrepancy between the idealistic kind of you know, where we, we want digital care to provide for patients versus who is actually accessing those services. Farid Bijoli, GM for Roche Thailand, talked about Thailand and the neighboring countries. Thailand specifically has a thriving healthcare um, startup ecosystem and we see a growing number of companies that are emerging to address certain challenges within, let's say, the healthcare sector. So I think we, we're seeing more startups and, you know, some of those are, let's say, the size of the company might be two people, but then we see some really promising startups. So, for example, there's a company called Dr. Raksa, which is a big telehealth startup in Thailand and that, that flip fits in well because under the Thailand 4.0 strategy and the e-health strategy Thailand really wants to support them and in fact they've introduced tariff rates for telehealth as well which is a really great sign from from the organization so those types of things those types of demand drivers when a government is going to pay for a telehealth consultation and address some of those barriers then you know that if you've got a startup with an innovation in the telehealth or telemonitoring space that Thailand is is right in Beth and Lopez CEO and founder of Docosan a healthcare marketplace that aims to make it effortless to access healthcare and help find a doctor who is available in Vietnam talked about Vietnam After living and working in Southeast Asia for, I guess it was about seven or eight years at that point before I started Dalkosan, I just saw patterns. I saw patterns that had a lot to do with kind of like fragmentation and just poor healthcare experience, no matter whether you were, say, like a rice farmer living in a rural area in Thailand or even like a kind of like wealthy Vietnamese living in Ho Chi Minh City. 
Healthcare is difficult to access. There's not a lot of good information online, good, transparent, trustworthy information. People are still using word of mouth to determine where you can go and where you can trust. Um, there's a lot of problems too in variations in quality of care. So there's in, in Vietnam, especially, there's some hospitals and clinics that are fantastic quality, and there are some that are not so great. Today, I'll be sharing a short insight about South Korea. In Korea, life expectancy at birth was 82.7 years in 2017, which is higher than the OECD average of 80.8 years. At the moment, Korea has one of the youngest populations among the OECD countries with only 13.8% of people aged 65 or over. This is expected to increase considerably in the next decades. The health security system in Korea has two components. Mandatory social health insurance, which provides healthcare coverage to all citizens and is funded through contributions from those who are insured and government subsidies. And then there's the second part, the medical aid program, which is a form of public assistance that uses government subsidies to provide low-income groups with healthcare services. At HIMSS 2023 in Chicago, I spoke with Mira Kang, Vice Chief Medical Information Officer at the Samsung Medical Center in South Korea. South Korea is an IT powerhouse. Fast-speed internet is widely available. Koreans access a lot of services through their mobile phones. Hospitals are introducing things like AI, robots and data-driven precision medicine. While the rest of the world is increasingly looking at virtual care and telemedicine for healthcare sustainability and ease of access to healthcare services, telemedicine is forbidden in South Korea. Remote healthcare services has begun since uh, 1998 in Korea, but they have been provided only as part of national pilot uh, projects for the case. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has opened the window forward to uh, the remote healthcare services. Uh, the remote healthcare services has been widely expanded because those were temporarily allowed during the pandemic under infection prevention laws and regulations. However, uh, the temporary allowance likely to be forbidden uh, within a month because uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has ended. As Mira Kang explained, accessibility to healthcare services is high. If we look at the distance between medical facilities and patients as the measure of accessibility, in Korea, the distance to hospitals is 2 to 4 miles in urban areas, which is roughly 3 to 6.5 kilometers in big cities, and people can access healthcare within 12 miles, which is roughly 20 kilometers, even in rural areas. Koreans visit their doctors on average 14 times per year. Healthcare is also very affordable. You may not believe it. Uh, in case of in-person consultation visit in Korea, the cost for uh, primary care is only uh, $10 per visit, and the co-payment of a patient is 30%. That should be $3. Uh, in case of tertiary general hospital, the cost is $30 per visit. Uh, the co-payment is 60%. That should be uh, $18. The 
fee per visit doesn't matter uh, how much time physicians spend. Therefore, uh, physicians are skeptical about whether appropriate reimbursement will be paid for telemedicine. The affordability of healthcare in South Korea is one of the reasons that's holding telemedicine back, says Mira Kang. Uh, there has been a debate on whether to continue uh, using remote healthcare systems, and uh, there are different opinions amongst stake, uh, stakeholders. For uh, the patient's perspective, they want to continue using remote healthcare services because they have become accustomed to the convenience during the pandemic. Uh, from the pharmacist perspective, uh, traditional pharmacists have a concern that uh, patients will flock to large uh, pharmacy chains in, uh, in the system, and many of the small pharmacies will go out of business. Uh, from the physician's perspective, uh, they recognize that telemedicine is an undeniable trend of the times, Uh, but they prefer to limit the application to follow-up visits in patients with chronic disease because they have concerns about medical liability. Uh, physicians show reluctance in using uh, telemedicine for initial diagnosis of patients. In general, uh, it requires more effort to communicate in remote meetings compared to in-person meetings, Uh, physicians prefer uh, in-person consultations rather than uh, telemedicine because they worry about regulatory challenges and lack of reimbursement policies. Uh, this is probably why hospitals are not actively embracing telemedicine and large corporations are not showing much interest. Samsung Medical Center is highly digitized. It basically reached all the highest levels of digital maturity based on the HIMSS criteria. It has reached stage 7 in the infrastructure adoption model, INFRAM, digital imaging adoption model, DM, and electronic medical records adoption model, MRAM. So naturally, they did use telemedicine during the pandemic, along with other technologies. Samsung Medical Center implemented uh, specialized telemedicine in several ways. Uh, firstly, uh, it was a uh, word rounding robot supporting non-in-person rounding using voice instrument, uh, camera, and EMR solution. Uh, the robot can be used in case uh, when a patient is isolated or the attending physician is far away from a patient. Uh, secondly, uh, teleconsultation is provided for overseas patients Uh, utilizing the Samsung Group-wide video conferencing system, uh, SMC physicians can cooperate uh, with the patient's physicians in their own country and uh, show EMR and PEX images to them. As uh, cons teleconsultation uh, is not uh, yet allowed for domestic patients, uh, it is applied only to overseas patients. Uh, digital health has made a virtual emergent treatment possible uh, in uh, very remote areas where medical accessibility is very low. Uh, uh, for example, uh, the southeastern coastal region of Korea has over uh, 700 islands, 
This area is prone to marine accidents and difficult to transfer emergent patients from. Uh, in emergency situations, uh, fast and accurate diagnosis and treatment are crucial, but it is difficult to treat emergent patients within the golden time. Therefore, uh, a system is being developed and applied on a pilot national project to allow emergency center physicians to remotely make a diagnosis and provide instructions to a local uh, health center physician. Uh, when a local uh, physician examines a patient and views PEX images wearing smart glasses, the streaming video is transmitted to the emergency uh, center physician in real time, allowing him uh, to understand the patient's condition and provide real-time guidance for intervention. So while many countries, especially the U.S., are stepping up their efforts to provide remote monitoring and virtual care as a new standard of care, it seems like it will take a little bit more effort for that to happen in South Korea. There is uh, currently no analysis on the cost-benefit in Korea, but there is some report showing better treatment outcomes of glucose control in diabetes patients and um, blood control, uh, uh, blood pressure control in hypertension patients. Uh, national pilot projects are underway for uh, home-based medical care for type 1 diabetes patients and chronic disease management. However, a uh, telemedicine platform is not fully integrated into individual hospital and only 20 to $30 is charged per service, regardless of whether the monitoring is in t- uh, interpreted for several days or several months. Uh, patients definitely can get benefit, but uh, physicians are skeptical about uh, whether they may have sufficient reimbursement Uh, balanced uh, policies are necessary on both sides. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health, a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the show, or follow us on LinkedIn. Additionally, check out our newsletter. You can find it at fodh.substack.com. That's fodh.substack.com. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.